Well, hello, FC Dallas Curious Fan. Welcome to episode 97 of Third Degree the Podcast. I'm Buzz Kirk. Thanks for joining me. I am solo again tonight because we have another interview and there's no reason for us to be banning about too much, although there's a couple of news items I will drop right at the top. First, let me remind you that uh, Third Degree the Podcast is brought to you by Soccer 90, featuring the new powder blue FC Dallas Adidas kickoff tee. Third Degree the Podcast listeners receive 25% off site-wide. That includes the new FC Dallas t-shirt with promo Third Degree at Soccer90.com. That's 3-R-D-D-E-G-R-E-E at Soccer90.com. Hmm, a powder blue FC Dallas kickoff t-shirt. That's, that's interesting. Uh, I will say one more thing on terms of uh, news. That does remind me that um, I did ask the uh, the Soccer 90 guys about the new jerseys that are to come for all the MLS teams. And those those will be dropping by various teams. We saw some drop already over the month of February. Um, unfortunately, the new brand new 2021 Adidas jerseys won't be part of the discount. So it's site-wide other than that. So enjoy that code and get yourself a discount. Let me also remind you, if you like what we do, you can support us at patreon.com slash third degree. All right, let's uh, get into the FC Dallas news. And there's not a ton of it, but there is a little bit. Uh, and, well, I should say there isn't a lot of it. Because well, one of those things, the big, important, massive thing is that Brian Reynolds finally completed his transfer. But we've known that was coming, and we reported that you know a week ago, and I've talked about it to death. So that final deal is finally done to Roma. Um, it's going to come up again in this podcast, you'll see. And, and we'll have lots of details on that. And we'll probably talk about it again over the next couple of weeks because it is such a big move and a fascinating move. The other thing that's happening is that uh, we reported Justin Shea is going on loan to Bayern um, Munich. That's a terrific piece of news. Not official, of course. So as with all these things, until it's official, it's not official. Remember that. But um, I have really good sources on that. And it's also been reported by like 15 other people. So I don't have any doubts that it's happening. But uh, great move for that young man. He is still 17. So he is going over on a free loan. Uh, Byron is not paying. Dallas will be still paying his salary. There is an option to buy in the deal, but he doesn't turn 18 until November. Now, remember, of course, Justin has a German passport, which makes a big difference in terms of his eligibility to play in the Bundesliga. Not that he'll be playing in the Bundesliga. He's just going to go join their 19 team uh, to begin with. Which also brings up the idea that a couple other players that Dallas has, has are banding about looking for loans, and that's uh, Brandon Cervania and Edwin Surreo, who are both at uh, St. Polten in uh, Austria. Uh, I'm probably butchering that name, St. Polten, but um, it seems pretty clear that Dallas is you know, looking, as I've been saying for quite some time now, the young players need to have some investment in them. You know, they're not getting the minutes they need to get with FC Dallas. You need to get them minutes at a competitive level because you're trying to build them for the future either to sell them or to build them for yourself for the future. You can't have them stagnating on the bench. So this looks like an opportunity for that. Maybe also there's a factor in here with a hypothetical lockout, perhaps looming. They want to keep these kids playing. That could be part of it as well. Uh, and I, it won't surprise me to see the other guys that have gone on this bit. Thomas Roberts, Ricardo Pepe, Dante Sealy. I've predicted both Pepe and Sealy will go this year somewhere on a sale or a loan. Um, you know, Roberts has been trying to get his own situation straightened out for a while. So won't be shocked to see those three guys line up something too. I don't know anything about what they've got coming yet, but um, it will not shock me in the least if that happens. All right, let's bring in today's special guest to the podcast. And it is now my pleasure to introduce uh, Keith Reynolds, who is 
Obviously, you will learn Brian Reynolds' father, but also, most importantly, his lead agent, lead representation, his domestic agent. Keith, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us. Hey, thank you, Buzz. Man, it's good to be on. Now, just to be clear for everybody, um, Keith has represented his son in dealings with FC Dallas uh, up until the point in which the international aspect of transfers got involved, in which case, I believe Keith, correct me if I'm wrong, that's the point at which you guys brought in some outside assistance for the international aspects of the transfer. But otherwise, you're completely involved with Brian and his contacts with the clubs and, and professional career. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. So let's go back to the very beginning um, of Brian's career. Now, I should say to everybody out there listening that you were a player, too. You played at SMU. Um, so certainly, you know, yes, quality sir. soccer when you see it. Uh, at what yes, point um, with Brian did you recognize uh, his soccer ability? What age? Well, I think we were uh, it was when he was uh, four years old. I've always been his coach since uh, all the way until he got to the academy. Uh, so I've coached him throughout his uh, his younger career. Uh, and uh, we know the very first game in the YMCA game he scored, I think, was six or seven goals. And you just kind of knew uh, that uh, there's going to be something. There's something about him uh, that he could go far. But as a parent and coach, you just had to make sure that I wanted to make sure that for him to be the best soccer player that he had to choose the sport and not me choose for him. And so we just kind of we just kind of went along with that. And, you know, I was fortunate to coach him in the uh, U8, U9 Recreation League. And then, uh, you know, then it's two years, three years going up to the academy. We prepared him and stuff. So, so he was just, um, you know, the team we were on, we weren't always the best team. But he was always my best player, and he played in my central midfield. Or he did everything just like any young superstar kid. He played midfield where he can play offense and defense. So he's been familiar with many positions. So um, we just he just he always wanted to get better. He always was outside kicking the soccer ball. He he was just he was he he was just hungry to get better. So we really saw that in in him, and uh, and it looked like. Uh, she came to tuition. So, yeah. So, who approached you first about joining the FC Dallas Academy? How did that process come about? It was, uh, um, I want to say, it was um, uh, Bazan. He had came from Andromeda, and um, he was an excellent coach. Um, he coached one of the FC Dallas. Uh, I think it was their U U fourteen team. And Brian just loved him. He did a couple training sessions with him, and Brian wanted to go to practice pretty much every day. And that and the people that are around Dallas know who Bazan is. He's a heck of a coach. He's in a, he's with Oscars. Uh, he's one of Oscars assistant coaches. Uh, he's an Oscars assistant coach here and in Orlando. And he went to Tijuana with him. Uh, people in Dallas know that, that, that he's he's probably one of the better coaches uh, around the world. He's very good. Brian loved him. He loved him. And so that's when we uh, came a year before the academy started, Dallas Academy started. So at what age was Brian when the, the, the subject of a homegrown contract was first broached? I think Brian was about um, 14. Um, 
he had just been invited to the U.S. national team uh, resident program. And um, a lot of Dallas was uh, very cautious of letting him go. Uh, but the national team wanted him there. He was playing a year up, uh, as people can see on that national team. They had Josh Sargent, uh, Des, and that, uh, that U-17 national team was stacked with a lot of really good players, and he was playing forward. Uh, but Dallas, um, we, we had a long talk with them uh, because they did not want Brian to go. They wanted Brian to stay. Uh, but it was a very hard opportunity to pass up with the likes of Christian Pulisic, Eddie Johnson, uh, Demarcus Beasley. You talking about you had some of the America, uh, you know, Donovan, some of the America's best players have come through the resident program. That's a huge program to have said that you've been a part of. And we we felt like um, he couldn't pass it up. And so the club was uh, gracious enough to let him go. But Dallas uh, didn't want to let him go. Uh, they wanted him to keep him. Uh, so uh, that was always interesting. Thing, uh, you know how that came up, but uh, we have talked to Dallas a couple of times. We had a couple of meetings with them, uh, just asking us about, uh, you know, Brian's uh, interest in uh, being a professional and what did we think about it, you know, him being a professional at a young age. And, uh, you know, and so they we had a couple of meetings before they finally kind of came in, and uh, it was Fernando, uh, he called us in. And he's like, you know, Keith, man, we're gonna offer, we're gonna go ahead and offer him the contract. And uh, Brian was at national team camp in California, and we were able to pass it on to him. And uh, we decided, as a family at that time, that it was the best move for him, and he wanted to do it. And then we just kind of got behind him. I remember him being gone for most of that season when he was, you know, signed as a professional, but was spending most of the time with the 17s. Now he was one of the younger players in that team, as you mentioned, and he was playing wing. Uh, mostly at that time. Um, did, did he have a positive experience at the U-17 World Cup, even even though he didn't necessarily start all the time? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, um, it, was, it was funny. Um, when he became professional, a lot of the players that was first teamers, like uh, on, uh, Andrew Carlton, um, I think uh, Durkin at the time, were Durkin was at D.C., uh, Carlton was at Atlanta United, and uh, a lot of those players uh, didn't have to stay uh, because they're already going to make the tw- they're already going to make the World Cup team. Um, Brian was still fighting for a position. He was still fighting to try to make that ro- that roster, and um, he was uh, he wanted to come home. He uh, he wanted to come home uh, and be with Dallas, um, but uh, you know um, he had to stay. Like if you want to make the team, you got to stay. You got to stay because you, you just got there. And so uh, he wanted to come home, uh, just like the other professionals got were allowed to go home and didn't have to stay on campus. Uh, so Brian was, uh, he was disappointed, but uh, he knew he had to stay in there to make the team and it looked like it paid off because he was able to make the uh, qualifying team and the World Cup team. Yeah, that has to have been a really wonderful experience for him. So once he did return to Dallas, though, um, at that point he was still you know, a forward or a winger. Um, yes. But at some point, the decision was made to try him as a right back. Now, I believe it was Peter Lucene who made this first yes. suggestion. So how did that go over with yes. you guys? Was it Peter? And, and, and were you accepting of that idea initially? I, I think at first we were, uh, you know, as, as me, it was just like, 
he was a winger and to make that change at the professional level um it it, it, it for me it was like it, it might have been too late but at the same time if they, they could coach him up and brian is always known to play multiple positions uh we wanted to make him a soccer player not just a guy that said we we're going to play, play one position and that's it uh because that's what you that's how you don't get on the field if you just put your eggs in one position especially at the professional level the more positions you can play the more playing time you can find peter came and uh they they put brian a defender because they were out of defenders and brian's and by this is a story brian was telling me and with some of the coaching staff is that his one-on-one defending there he's stopping everybody he was stopping everybody on the team and they just like this guy can defend and uh and then peter and then you know the staff decided you know, let's just try him at that position. Let's see if he can grow at that position. So, Well, obviously it has paid off. Uh, there's a funny story I remember um, hearing about him going to a USU-18 team and actually being played as a center back, which was a bit of a different experiment. Right. I'm sure you remember that. Ty almost uh, thought that Brian could play uh, center back because he had the size and he had the skills to distribute the ball out of the back, and he could get forward from that position. And so they said they liked him there. He did a really good job because center back is, uh, I think, they feel like that in the U.S. is still a problem at the center back position, even though we have some really good center backs. But they, they, they've seen what Byron has done with Alba, and they've seen what Man City has done with smaller center backs. Uh, so. Uh, and your your smaller center backs are the guys that are around six one to six three. Your bigger center backs or your Matt Hedges six four. Uh, these are, these center backs are very big guys, but they want them a little bit mobile and they want them to be able to go forward more. And Brian fit uh, fit the bill for that. Yeah, Chris Richards' passing ability is what separates him in a lot of ways. Yes, right. Yes, so yes. and he's and he has and he has good size too. He's around six two. And you, you, that, that's what they're looking for as the center backs, those perfect size between 6'1", six, 6'3". Six, six, yeah. All right, so he comes back to Dallas, and the, you know, the right-back conversion is sort of happening. But that, at that point, Reggie Cannon is getting the first-choice um, yes. action, which is, you know, he, he was there and was older, and that's understandable. So right. um, a tough stretch for Brian probably there when he's the second choice. Did, did he do – do you think – did he cope well with not being getting a lot of playing time and, 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 and sort of learning from Reggie there? I mean, Reggie's certainly a, a solid player. Well, you know, he, he understood uh, the dynamics that uh, Reggie had waited for his opportunity and the uh, – and he understood that there was going to be probably a little wait time until Reggie was ready to leave. And uh, but the biggest thing in that situation was Reggie was so he was so helpful for Brian. He always spoke about Brian chance was going to come. And when it come, he was going to do great. Reggie was 100 percent behind Brian, even though they're competing for the same position. Reggie was a, 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 a was a beacon to Brian. Because he's always supported Brian, telling Brian, just wait, your time is going to come. And I, I, you couldn't even say what Reggie done for Brian. Um, it, it was big. It was big for Brian's confidence that the guy that you're competing with, that you're trying to take time from, is telling you eventually your time is going to come. So Reggie was a big help in Brian's development. 
So come 2019 and Brian starts to see some action, you know, he's, he's made some progression in his uh, game, some understanding of the tactics, he, you know, over that last season of 2019, he got into 10 games at the MLS level, but I wanted to ask you about the North Texas play because he, at the beginning of the year, he also played in about 10 games for North Texas. And for me, um, Brian made a really great jump when he was with North Texas. You know, when he first went down there, he was, he looked good. And by the end of that stretch, it almost looks stupid how good he was compared to that level. Right. Did you, do you think like that, that that play there at North Texas was a benefit? I, I think so. I think with all of those young players, they, like you said, they had to look at being in North Texas is not a punishment, but a place to really just get your fitness and really hone your skills and that you need games no matter what what no matter what level it is you need games the minute you get games and that's what i felt like north texas did for him is they gave him games and once he kind of figured out and but i think brian never looked at it as a punishment he just wanted to play he's like i I just i just want to play i don't care where i play like i just want to play and his mentality you could see that in that mentality how he played at north texas he played like Hey, I haven't played in a long time. I just want to play. I don't care where I play. I just want to, I just want to get on the field and play. Now, the 10 or so games that Brian got with uh, the first team mostly were at forward, strangely enough, at this time. There was a handful of games, however, that Brian could have had when Reggie got called up and was missing that went to Brisson. So from my point of view, I complain quite vehemently that by that point, we knew that Brian was going to be Reggie's replacement and we knew that Reggie was going to be gone. And I was right. saying that Brisson getting those minutes is a big mistake. Do you agree with my assessment right. there? Yeah, I, I think uh, from my point of view, because anytime any young player, uh, especially in Europe, is about just getting them on the field. And that was pretty much anybody complaint would be is that when there's a chance for the player to get on the field, you want him on the field at any minutes because uh, obviously when Reggie comes back, there, <laughs> there's not a lot of minutes, which is that's just the way it is. And Brian understood that. But when he knew when Reggie left that those were very viable minutes for Brian. And that's where, we, you know, anybody, if, if you can get any minutes, you want those minutes. If you don't get those minutes, you're just not going to be, you're just not going to be happy. And, you know, and that was a, uh, the decision uh, the club made, uh, you know, just the staff, uh, you know, they felt like they wanted to be a little bit more safer. Uh, but, you know, those are minutes that, um, you know, you're always going to still that, that were lost. But at the same time, it, it probably was a more motivation for Brian to just get stronger when it came his time. So we can look at it two-edged sword. All right. So even with the, um, you know, Lower play than we might have all hoped at only 112 minutes on the season. Um, nonetheless, at the end of 2019, you know, Dallas begins talking to you about a new contract. Um, at what point during the 2019 season did those discussions begin? Well, it started uh, about the end of the uh, end of the season. Uh, they want as the, the 10 appearances were pretty good for him. Um, he started to show uh, and he believed that he could play. Once he kind of figured out, and I think Dallas saw that he could he could play in the league, that he was an MLS player. I think it's just a belief from both sides that 
uh, even from Brian's part and Dallas' part, that he could play in the major, major league soccer and he could have a career in it. And I think we both kind of came to agreement. We saw enough is that he could achieve. Uh, yeah, he could achieve to be uh, a very good, uh, excellent MLS player, and, and then eventually at some point leaving to go to Europe. And so Dallas was. Um, they came. And they was like, okay, we I think we want to do another contract. Uh, by this time, Brian's contract for his option year is running out. So we have the decision as his, his you know, as his, um, his agent is that I have the choice of letting the contract run out and letting Brian leave for free in the summertime, or do we stay with Dallas and uh, and 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 show loyalty to the club uh, to make sure that. You know they're compensated, and that if Brian is ever sold, um, that we could they could put money back into the club. And so we had a decision to make uh, for us. Brian had already had interest from Europe already, and uh, a lot of the teams was like, "Well, you don't really need to resign. You can you can come here." But Brian had been in Dallas, and Brian's a loyal. He's a loyal kid. He's a loyal person. Um, and we don't do that. We, we, we felt like we owed the club something, and they they have been good to us. And uh, we wanted to go ahead and do the contract. We wanted to do the right thing uh, because we had the decision to just let the contract run out. So, and what teams had contacted you at that stage in that 2019 season? We had a um, just a we had a lot of a lot of league teams. Uh, we had uh, uh, obviously from uh, the Dutch league and the, the Belgium league. Uh, those are the leagues that were and, and in Germany. So we had some we had some teams from uh, some more of Central Europe and stuff, uh, ones that he really fit. Um, but at that time, we just felt like he hadn't played enough games uh, where they could actually really see him in a real evaluation because of they it, it would have been on more of a tr- Brian starting over to go and have to prove himself mm. because he. He didn't have the minutes on the field of MLS. So it had been like, it had been prove it again. And Brian really didn't want to do that. So some of the contracts that have been signed by homegrowns before you, notably Paxson Pomacall and Jesus Ferreira, are in the you know 400000 to 600000 escalating range. Yeah. Um, and you guys yes. ended up with a contract that was more of a incentive-laden contract. So was yes. there a bit of a, um, yes. you know, like maybe not quite the contract you guys were looking for at that time? Well, we felt like the um, the at the time, and uh, I had got a lot of advice from uh, a, a lot of agents around the around the around Europe, is that Brian was young enough that any contract he got was not uh, was not about the money. It was nothing about the money. We mm. had to make sure that the money was not the issue. It was about making sure Brian gets up on the field, and Brian, um, you know, salary is enough where teams could come in and buy and bid for him. And so um, we came to a nice, uh, we felt like a, a, an average agreement, you know, uh, we they wanted Brian to do it on the field to prove it and seemed like he, he was going to do it. Uh, but we felt like we had to get the right contract uh, so we can move Brian when, it com- when the time came. Um, and we, it, it, it almost like, I guess in a, in a sense, is Brian could have been, paid we could have went after between 300 to 400 thousand 
Uh, but at the same time, we wouldn't be able to get out. We wouldn't be able to be sold for the price tag Brian is. Is like if Brian could have been offered uh, at, at at Roma, uh, maybe over a million a year, a million year net. But it does us no good to get. It does us no good to for the million if we can't get out of Dallas. So it doesn't right. matter if you know that if Roma wants to pay Brian what we felt like he deserved, but we can't get out of Dallas to go get it. And so we had to be very smart in the contract negotiation is to make sure we both get something out of it. And uh, right. it was us is when the time came, you need to let him go if we give you this contract. And so that's kind of how we, we came about the, the numbers and stuff like that because I think the one thing I, would, I will say is that we had a significant amount of belief in Brian. I exactly told my son after we signed the deal that he would not see a penny of his new contract from Dallas. We felt we believe if he got on the field and he could, he would uh, have a chance to move on to the next level. And we, we, we were, Brian made me look, you know, for my part, I did the contract, he did the plan and we were, we were right. We were right. Yeah. We, we, we made the right decision how we did it. And, uh, it, it, it was very positive, very, very positive. Uh, Brian did an excellent job. He made me, he made me, I believed in him and he believed in me. My son allowed me to do the deal. Cause at the end of the day, my son could have got anybody to do it, but he's like, dad, you need to do it. And so, uh, my son believed in me yeah. to do the deal. And so, I, I thank him for that, and he just went out there, and I believed in him to do what he was going to do, and he 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 just he just he he exceeded just every every expectation. All right, so we'll come back to the contract and the balance of uh, contract to sale in a minute, um, but this is the time of year, uh, you know, coming into this twenty twenty season when Reggie's doing his new contract that is incentivized for him to leave. So it's clear to all of us observing that Reggie's going to be gone almost certainly in the summer. So were there any sort of, um, I'm not going to say promises, but was the groundwork laid at that point from the technical director or the coaching staff that, okay, you're next, just, it's going to be the summer and then you're in. Yeah, they were, they were pretty excited about Brian's, uh, progression. Um, he went, uh, he went to Byron. He did well. Uh, the, uh, I think the, um, Tijuana game. The Tijuana game, he played right and left back, and then the Seville game. That's when they kind of knew that he was he was on his way because those were very good games against very good teams, and he held his own out there. And I think that's when the club knew uh, that he was uh, when Reggie left, he was going to be the next one in line. He was go- or he, or he was going to be the first one to get the opportunity to hold the job. Yeah, again though, when Reggie does leave. Mystifyingly to me, Brisson again gets a couple of games, and I'm sitting there thinking, "Why are we waiting? Just put Brian in; he's more than ready." Uh, right. So I imagine right. you guys were still like, "What is going on at that point?" Well, you know, we we you know, Lucci came and told Brian that they didn't really want to throw him in the fire. You know, I you know, I'm, I'm I'm looking at a situation as a competitor. Like he he only gonna get better unless he get thrown in the fire. He's gonna have to. Players are never ready to play, uh, and, and, and Lucci will agree with that. Players are never 
ready to play, but when they have to play, they're going to have to play and they're going to have to grow up uh, really, really quickly. And so we were kind of, you know, we were kind of like, wow, he's ready to go. He's been waiting for a couple of years, like throw him in there. He is ready. He knows what he has to do. Reggie has done a good job with him. Uh, the club has done a good job with him just this time. But the club was still cautious to make sure that he breaks in and they didn't want to make sure that he had a bad game and that he didn't have the confidence in the rest of the season. So they made the decision just to kind of just hold him back where he can kind of watch. Uh, but Brian was in, Brian was just interested in playing. He just put him out there, and he's going to do what he's going to do. And so that was kind of odd thinking. It's like, hey, kids are never ready to play. They went until it comes their time. And yeah. when their time comes, you just got to let them play. You got to let them play. You got to let them go through the – the learning process. So, so certainly though, however, the minute they do put him in, Brian just destroys all the expectations. I mean, I knew he was going to be good, but the, what he was doing was absolutely ridiculous. Now, of course, right. there are occasional defensive miscues. He's not always hundred percent yep. dialed in about where he needs to be all the time, but I really appreciated for one, how often I saw Matt Hedges, you know, over with Brian, helping Brian out, coaching Brian up. You know, this is what, uh, you know, Matt probably is a coach in the future. So, um, certainly right. that's a terrific relationship, I'm sure, from Brian's perspective, being able to play next to Matt and get uh, insight from him. Right. You know, it, it, him and, and uh, they, Brian learned a lot from uh, Brazon. Uh, him and Matt Hedges were uh, teachers on the field to Brian. Uh, as people saw in the game, Brian loved playing with Hedges. When you have uh, Matt Hedges back there, even as a, a, a watcher, and I'm nervous and watching Brian, I was so confident Brian – was good when Hedges was back there because I know he could cover up, he could cover up my son's mistakes if he made them and Hedges would do it nicely and he, he will help Brian he would cover for Brian and also help him at the same time but Brian loved him because Hedges was just people don't understand the man in Dallas is Hedges Hedges is Dallas that's that's Hedges and Ryan Hollinstead is Dallas uh if people want to know what Brian thinks is Hedges and Hollinstead so Ryan, they are Dallas. That's Dallas. If anybody want to know what Dallas is, those two guys are Dallas. So how quickly after Brian begins to play, do you start fielding these phone calls of, please come to our team <laughs> this winter? Well, we started um, uh, after the first and the first two games he got in, we started fielding some calls from Belgium. We started fielding some calls from La Liga, uh, some teams that have been watching Brian. And you know, we had a couple from Germany and stuff as they started to want to see more. Could he be could he be consistent? He had a good start the first two games. They wanted to see if he could sustain it. And so over, I think, the, maybe the, the fifth or sixth game, then you kind of seen what type of player he was going to be because he was very he, – he was even killed. He didn't have bad games. He was just getting better every game. And that's when teams – started to believe in him the european side they have seen enough after five or six games they saw he was consistent but he was getting better and that's what they want you in europe they want to see the progression of you not only playing games but getting better every game and brian was getting better every game more confidence every time he stepped out on the field now you and i discussed these things as they went along uh and all the teams that were coming in the list of names is absolutely ridiculous who was the first team that came in with a legitimate, concrete, here's an offer on the table? 
it was a it was really a club Bruges. Club Bruges came in. They they just love Brian. They they loved everything about Brian. They they in their model they saw Brian being so quickly, and they stayed in it throughout. Which we thought that they might not stay in it, but they stayed through the whole competition. They stayed in it and they threw everything that they had to get Brian. Uh, but Club Bruges was came in. They were they were in love with Brian. They they loved him. That that kid could not do anything wrong. But they were very honest about what he needed to work on, and Brian took it. And so, but Club Bruges was the first one to come in uh, of the big Belgium club to come in and really say we want that kid. All right. So before we get to the um, big two names, you know, the Juve and the Roma that became a big part of the situation, was there anybody that came in over the next couple months? that really opened your eyes or was a shock or made you think, Oh my goodness, what is going on? Were there some names that really threw you for a loop in there? Yeah, it was, uh, was, uh, Inter and, uh, AC Milan, uh, the Italian clubs. Um, and I think Palma came in also, uh, the Italian clubs. It was, seemed like there's a lot of Italian clubs. Like it was, a, it, it we felt like there was going to be more German clubs, but it was more Italian clubs. The German clubs were, I would say right now, uh, they do not like to buy unless they sell. So a lot of the German teams, a lot of the teams in this transfer window, you can see there's not a lot of movement in this window because teams already sit in their salary and their movement of the players and their positioning. A lot of teams couldn't make play for Brian into the summertime. We felt like if Brian got to the summertime, then it would have really opened up. You would have had some, there, there would have been multiple teams. There would have been at least 20 teams. Uh, in the bidding process for him in the summertime. Yeah, now, there's certainly an appeal to Italy. Uh, was it, in general terms, was it the defensive yes. reputation of that league that was appealing? Yeah, yeah. It was one of the things that they, um, just everybody felt like his, uh, I, I felt like, you know, his defensive positioning, he he, he was going to have to learn because he just he doesn't play there. Like, he hadn't played there for a long time. Uh, he hadn't had the experience like a Reggie that played right back for you know all his career to just kind of know the ins and out of the defending position and so when these guys are being converted it kind of hurts them going forward because they have been the, the the coaching staff is plugging in them on their defensive responsibility and so the player himself brian has to make the decision when to go and when to stay and when do i need to be defensively when do i need to move and so that was his 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 adjustment uh because now that kind of takes away from his attacking because he has defensive responsibilities. Now, as we get into the working with these European teams, um, you guys chose to um, hire or partner or something with, I believe it's Reggie Cannon's agent in order to, uh, yes. because of the requirements you needed to do a deal with a European club. Could you just explain that yes. a little bit? We looked at uh, Reggie agent because he uh, had, at a plateau of right backs, uh, he had Reggie and he had uh, DeAndre uh, Yedlin. And so uh, we decided that's where we needed to go for the help uh, because he knew the right back market. He knew uh, the teams that were recruiting Reggie. He knew the teams because Yedlin wouldn't get too much playing time in Newcastle. And so he knew uh, some of the situations that clubs had at right back. And so it was a perfect fit for us for what we needed another person that was familiar with the right back position and also of the sales of 
two pretty good right backs in Deontay Yellen and Reggie Cannon. So at some point in this process, um, Juventus comes in pretty hard and Juventus is a club that talks to the player first and then goes and talks to the team. Whereas I believe it was club Rouge. You had told me had talked to Dallas first and then it approached you. So, um, can you talk about when Juventus first approached you and even to the point where you guys had basically agreed to personal terms with Juventus? Well, Dallas, Dallas was the actual team that took um, Andre, I think, was at a conference uh, with the, uh, all the clubs together. It's a conference that uh, the directors get to talk to each other in some type of form and stuff. And Andre was in contact with Juventus at the I, th- I think at first Juventus was interested, but they didn't know they they needed to see more. I, I think with any big club, they wanted to see if it was going to be more teams interested in Brian in that in that concept. That's just kind of how big teams kind of work. They're like, well, let's see if any other team want you, and then we'll decide if that's good enough for us to pursue you. And so Andre kind of came back uh, and just kind of told us he's like Juventus is interested. They're interested because Andre had been talking to Aventus some weeks before their interest came in. So Andre uh, was really presenting Brian to them and they really got to look at Brian and look at more tape of Brian. And um, they uh, their technical director went to uh, we would say, uh, I think it was Pilo and Pilo uh, was uh, was happy and uh, said, uh, let's uh, try to go get the kid, you know, and that's where. Juventus uh, kind of jumped in, and and uh, they uh, they 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 were great. They they were great. So there was a good stretch of you know a month, maybe a month and a half, where Roma had originally been involved, but because they were, I believe, because they were changing technical directors, they really couldn't right. quite come in at the level Juve was. Is, is that right. correct? Right. Yeah. They uh they they had uh their technical director wasn't coming into January. But he was aware of this, the situation, and because that was our concern, is that Roma wanted Brian, but did the new director, did he see the same thing that the club wanted? Uh, and so that was kind of where I think it kind of went. We, we all just kind of went kind of cold uh, as they were making a transition. Uh, we didn't really talk. Uh, we were mostly with Juventus and Bruges at that time, uh, you know, so – it was just they had a transition uh, um, um, of, of, of leadership for as their director. And then, um, and then when he got in, that's when things kind of changed a little bit. You know, so over the back last month and a half of the season, you know, Roma's basically out. Bruges is still involved. You guys have, you know, sort of have an agreement with principal for terms with Juve, you know, on the table. And Juve, of course, because of the um, non-EU limits of their of the Syria A, is trying to work out a deal first with Cagliari and then with Benevento. Can you sort of explain uh, that process and, and and what sort of fell apart with those two loan situations and and FC Dallas's maybe um, involvement at that point? Well, I, I think with Cagliari, uh, it was uh, it was uh, they didn't have the money; they couldn't pay to the they couldn't pay to the summertime. Um, just because of their books, uh, they, they had spent on, uh, I think the new Belgium guy, uh, and Aventus knew them very well, but they, they, they just couldn't get it to work. It just, uh, for, for, for whatever reason, it just didn't work. And Aventus had to go find another partner that will take Brian because in these long situations, Aventus is, uh, is telling some of these teams that the kids got to play. 
play. Like he's got to play. He's got he's got to play. He's got like, a significant amount of playing time. Uh, that's what the you know some right. clubs do. Um, and so um, the Vince's was I mean that right there kind of slowed the deal up. But at the same time, Brian was always keeping his options open uh, for where he wanted to play. He felt like uh, the right situation to present itself if we stayed in the process. Uh, the longer we stay in the process, the the better fit will come forward for him. And that's kind of it's kind of how we looked at it. So what was the sticking point with the Benevento situation? I think the Benevento um, was it came down between whether Roma or Benevento um, because Benevento had to be on the deal. Ventus couldn't be in the deal. It was Benevento that had to buy. So it was a it was a difference between at that point it became a difference between not so much Roma versus Aventus. It's Roma and what's the best situation between Roma and Benevento. And uh, Brian uh, you know, he he, he was in he was uh, in love with Rome. Uh once uh Rome kinda came in their offer improved and that was uh, that was his sticking point. So after January 1st, basically, the new technical director is involved and yes. they come in and they bring their numbers, let's just say, to the same ballpark as yes. what you guys were looking for. And, and that's when the yes. Roma became a legit player then. Yes, for- yes. You know, I, I think he he always liked Roma. Uh, um, if the numbers were right, uh, I think uh, if the personal terms were right, we probably would have been done a couple months ago. I think that situation was once the personal terms improved, if the personal terms were where we needed them to be uh, with Dallas offer, then we would have then Roma would have been the choice uh, right off the bat. But Bruce was Bruce has kept it, it, they kept up it going. Like I think there there couldn't have been a quicker decision because Bruce was bringing everything to the kitchen table. They were bringing everything they had. They were investing more money than a Belgium team would invest in a player. They really, and I think people want to understand why this uh, this went a long time. It was because of Bruges. Bruges was just, they love Brian and they showed Brian so much love that you had to honor what they were doing. You mm-hmm. had to keep them in play. And they were, because they, they were in love with Brian. And so that's why, I guess that's the question people ask. Why it took so, so long, I would just say it was Bruges. Bruges was, they're wonderful. Okay, so let's go back a little bit to the idea that because Brian had this lower contract and a little bit of an incentive-laden contract, that sort of dictated kind of where the price points are because sometimes there's an impact in what a team's going to offer to buy a player and or what the player's going to get paid at the new location based on what they're paid at the former team. So can you talk about that a little bit? Well, yeah, it was um, based on the the contract that Dallas was Dallas because Dallas put, you know, they wanted Brian to prove it, and we're okay with that. Like, uh, if we believe in the player, uh, Dallas is like, well, if he does what we all expect him to do, he'll reach those uh, agreement, and then uh, we felt like Brian could reach those uh, reach those incentives and stuff. So. It was uh, more of a you need to continue to the club, continue to show the club that he could be a really good player, you know. And so they put they put it on Brian. And as people have seen, 
Brian Stripes in 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 any situation. You put him, he has to prove it. He doesn't care. He just wants to play. And when you want to play and the game is fun for you, it's no problem. It, it, it was no problem. You know, from the agent point of view, you you, you kind of, you know, hey, my son has been there or my player has been there for a while. But at the same time, uh, you know, we're willing to, you know, competition and we're willing to prove if we have to prove ourselves every day, Brian is willing to do it. He, he, he doesn't care. He will prove himself every single time. So oh, that was kind of our situation for us to contract and knew if Brian was able to get to Europe, that's where he can recoup his money. And then Dallas believed the same thing. It's like, if you're good enough, you go to Europe, you're going to get your money. And so it uh, looked like that's what happens. <laughs> now, Dallas loves to have a sell-on percentage with the teams and when they move these players on. And the Roma um, reporting says that there is a sell-on percentage. Uh, I'm right. curious when that sort of concept came up in y'all's negotiations, do you have an agreement for a contract and is there an agreement for a sale in place? And then Dallas at the last second says, okay, now give us this percentage back and we'll give you this amount of money back. Or is, or does the idea of a sell on percentage come into the negotiations from the very beginning? It comes in the, in the, uh, the at the beginning, it, it's a, it's automatic. If, um, if it's a team that has a reputation of selling and where is that team at? I think Dallas maybe looked at Aventus. Um, can you sell if he went to Aventus or Benevento and then went to Aventus? Is there another selling spot? Only if Aventus, if he does well, there's only a certain amount of teams that can afford him coming out of Aventus. You're looking at the major clubs like Barca, Real Madrid, PSG, Man City, and some of the English clubs, Chelsea. There's a, the market is small. Uh, as so coming out of Roma, the market is more bigger coming from there uh, to sell him. Mm. Uh, it's still going to be so he'll probably still be if if he continues to develop and, and if he chooses to stay in Rome, because that's a possibility that uh, the project they're doing at Roma uh, is, is, is pretty good. You got to talk to the director. It's, it's, they, they got a nice project. They got a nice project. They're trying to get a new stadium built. I uh, think a lot of people don't didn't, don't know about that. They're going to build a new stadium, and they got great ownership. They 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 they're about the Americans, and and they're mm-hmm. about the American players. So uh, the project was really good. So um, we felt like that could be Brian. Felt like that you know he wanted. It. I mean, a lot of people may not know that the owner of Roma um, is the same person that owns the Gulf States Toyota that sponsors FC Dallas's Toyota Stadium. Um, right. Is there? How do you feel like that relationship uh, influenced all these negotiations? Is there is there a chance that um, Rome? One of the reasons Roma was really interested is because there's a relationship, because they know the Hunts, because they know FC Dallas and, and, and had seen Brian, perhaps. Well, I think um, once uh, I, I think the breakdown of the Italian league. Once one comes in, the other team take a look. Uh, once Aventus, I think Aventus just kind of broke everyone. Once Aventus was interested, and then you have every Italian team looking at Brian. Everyone is studying studying Brian. Is that once that big team comes, the rest of everybody kind of follows. And I think Roma really took a look at Brian. They really took a look because Aventus, when, when a big club like Aventus wants you in Marseille, then you have to all the clubs, the, the Italian league started really looking, 
really looking at what Pilo was doing with Weston. And now all the Italian teams are looking for a certain player from the Americans. And Brian was that next guy. He had just happened to run. He just happened to be next in line. He, his play and then what Weston was doing, every Italian team looked. Every Italian team is looking to change in some different in some way in the Italian league. So that was that was a big point for Brian. So a little just a little over a week ago, um, is when the whole thing finally comes to fruition and it all gets locked down. Was there a final thing that brought this deal over the finish line, a final hurdle that was the last point that made it all happen? It was uh, it was Tiago, the new Roma director. He's he's uh he's from Portugal. He's good as he he's good as you get. Uh, him and Andre are are the Andre's. I think people with Dallas. Andre is very good. Andre is is going to do great things at Dallas. He's he's just very good at making these things happen. But Roma's new director Tiago, he's fantastic. He 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 talked to Brian. He talked to our agent group, and we were we were just we were in love with him. Like that's where. We just felt like in Brian, he talked to Brian, Brian was in love and we were in love. He was his vision of what Roma was going to be and what they were going to do. We, 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 we knew then that Roma was the place this is where Brian wanted to be. But the new director, once we talked to him, he, he, he just pushed it over the line. They, they, they matched, they, they got the contract to the full point and he talked about Roma's vision. And we just fell in love with his vision of what Roma was and what it was going to be. And they they have a good plan for that club. That club will probably be uh, in the top two or three in the Italian league within the next couple of years. They have a vision. They have a plan. And then uh, we believed it. Uh, we believed it. And he's as good as he get. Uh, and But Andre, uh, people in Dallas need to know that Andre is very good. He, he is going to, as you saw the moves that Andre has made, he's very good. Uh, what he does and so that is something to look forward for Dallas is that Andre is he's he's one of the best he's one of the best so you said something about Roma having a vision and of course nothing is guaranteed but is there a sort of a timeline laid out for what they believe Brian's progression will be with them in terms of um, you know where he is in the team and the roster and such things he uh, he will go to the first team and he will compete immediately as soon as he's ready uh, fitness wise He's going to compete. They, they, they have every plan on playing him as soon as possible, and soon he's ready. Uh, it'll be in spot duties, you know, and he, uh, as they see as he trains and starts to get used to the Italian league, you'll start to see his minute grow. But it just will always depend on Brian. But he's going to have every opportunity, the money they pay for him, he's going to have every opportunity to, take the, to get minutes. That is, is in Europe, that's how, they, that's how they do it. If they pay a good deal of money for you, they want you to succeed. Yeah. Now we care about numbers a lot over here at this podcast. So um, was the 19 assigned to him? Did they give him some numbers to pick from? I mean, for us, the, the Brian Reynolds BR 19, right? Bobby Ryan 19. What a karmic number choice that is. But right. um, did he get to pick that or did uh, they just assign him that? I think they assigned it to him. Uh, he had a choice of numbers and uh, in any situation, Brian, Brian played with a number 176. He, he don't care. He just give him a number. And if it, if it means it, that's going to help him get on the field, he, he'll play with any number. Double zero, triple zero, Brian doesn't care. He, he, he just wants to play. He, 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 his numbers, he, he don't care. If he had a tape uh, number on his back, 
he he just played. If that means he can get on the field and play, <laughs> he, he'll take it. <laughs> he'll take it. Well, I have I have a non-Brian question for you, Keith, and that's the fact that your yes, younger son, Ty Reynolds, is still with the Academy at FC Dallas. Give us a uh, yes. quick update on where he is in terms of, I believe there's a Georgetown commitment verbally, perhaps, and, or, or what else going on with him in the club? Well, and, and he, like his brother, he wants to, uh, obviously, any young player wants to uh, turn pro. Uh, and uh, he he wants to go but he wants to be a professional uh but he's uh he's like his brother he's uh he's competitive and he he wants to kind of do what his brother does and he is he's more than capable of doing what his brother had they're built and they come from the same they, they they're cut from the same uh piece of cheese so they are um for him right now is that there's a couple trials coming up for him uh to go uh to go to europe his brother's opened the door and uh and ty is going to get a chance to uh, to experience every opportunity early than his brother uh, to get a chance to go to Europe. So that's kind of in our plans right now is to get him uh, for him to compete with the with his U19 team, academy team. He's playing up uh, up a couple of years and uh, let him see see how he uh, progresses there. And then when every time when COVID comes, uh, when COVID kind of gets better in Europe, he's got a couple of uh, uh, a couple of trials. Uh, set up a couple of teams are already interested in him and so we're going to go from there uh, but his big brothers opened the uh, kind of opened the door uh, they both were converted uh, you know from different positions to wing backs and uh, when Dallas kind of converts you to that position that means that they see something uh, long term and so, so uh, that's that's kind of where we are with him is that he's been converted but he's had a, lo- a little bit more time to adjust to the position and what Brian is, he's done early. Uh, so he is, uh, he's progressing well. He's progressing well. So we're very happy with him and his future that he's going to come uh, with either with Dallas or we'll go, go to Europe. One right. of the other aspects, of course, um, with being a pro is um, related to shoe contracts. And um, I know Brian has been, um, you know, working with different companies like that. Uh, how important is a shoe contract for a young player? And can you tell me anything about um, Brian's situation with that? When you're making a big move to Roma, obviously your profile right. changes. Does that affect that right. kind of negotiation? Yeah, it's uh, they have what they what the shoe companies have like tier one, tier two, tier three clubs. Um, your tier one clubs, your big uh, your big hitters, uh, Barca, Man City, Chelsea. Um, those are the ones, the PSG, those are the big hitters. Then you have your, what you would call your tier two, which was Juventus, Roma, some of the other clubs. So that it's always projected money wise. Uh, some clubs, how they evaluate clubs, Nike might evaluate, uh, Juventus as a tier two club. Uh, Puma might evaluate, uh, Juventus as a tier one club. So it always depends on what tiers the clubs fall in, in the different, uh, shoe companies. And so what we've done with uh, Brian has been with Nike. His Nike deal uh, ran out, but they want to extend. But since we were on a one-year deal, we didn't do a three-year deal. We did one year. Uh, we kind of bet, bet on ourselves again with Brian on his shoe deal. And now we kind of have, uh, have an option. He has an option to uh, go with any shoe company that he wants to go to. And it's, it, it's going to turn into a little uh, – he'll be, in a, be involved in another bidding war. And so we were able to do with Nike uh, last year to do a one-year deal so that they wanted three. 
And uh, Nike was gracious enough to let us do a one year deal and just kind of let it uh, be a year of uh, prove it. And Brian has uh, done a lot of proving uh, that he's more than capable of being a very good player and a very good uh, person to represent any shoe company. So he's, again, he has done another good job of controlling his own future. And um, we, in our decision making uh, with the Dallas contract and with the shoe, we're lucky enough to be right. And that was, uh, uh, we got a lot of experience from the man upstairs to give us that experience and the wisdom. And so we were, uh, we were correct. And, uh, and, but Brian made it happen. It, this doesn't happen unless Brian goes out there and does his job. It's all the credit to Brian. All the yeah. credit to Brian. Yeah, there's a level of hype happening here because I know, for example, that the um, Soccer 90 store basically sold out of Roma jerseys in the last week. They were as the time as of the time <laughs> we we're recording this, they only have two left, so they they've had to order some more. So believe me, when people when I say that people are really interested in this, and I, I imagine y'all are going to sell a few jerseys here in Dallas. Yeah, I think with the Roma's uh, sales are are doing pretty good with his jerseys. The uh, sales from the United States uh, are 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 they're um, they're, they're selling, and um, and we can only. Uh, thank all the fans out there, uh, Dallas. I mean, uh, Brian wanted to make sure everybody knew that, even though he had his, uh, you know, his goodbye letter, that he he really loved the Dallas fan. They were very nice to him. They they watched him grow up. They watched him, uh, you know, this achievement is just not for our family, you know, and for my my late dad, but for you know all the fans of FC Dallas that supported Brian. Uh, even and 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 also we never forget that third degree was a, a supporter, a big supporter of Brian. Uh, and he also uh, thank uh, you Buzz and third degree uh, for the support um, of, of his career in Dallas. Well, all I did was cover the young man. He's been absolutely amazing and done all the work. And for people that are interested, if you have a Roma Jersey and want to get Brian's name and number on it, um, the soccer Narnia guys tell me that they have uh, requested the official number plates. So at some point in the future, cross your fingers, they should have those. If, you want to get your uh, Roma jersey that you may already own uh, with Brian's name on it. So that's pretty exciting. I do want to thank you, Keith, because uh, I have to admit that this process has been absolutely fascinating and you've been kind enough to share a lot of it with me along the way. And I've learned so much. Um, I imagine that for you guys, it's been both exciting at times, but also trying at times to have gotten through this. And I'm sure there's uh, some relief and, and excitement that it's finally over and the next stage of Brian's life and career is, is happening. Um, we're kind of glad the process is uh, over. It's been a long process, but it's been a really good learning experience for Brian and everybody that was went along of this, uh, went along this was with us throughout this journey. But it was a, uh, it, it came to the place where, it, uh, you know, he needed to be. And uh, we want to thank everybody and especially the man upstairs for giving him this opportunity. But Brian, uh, at the end of the day, Brian did the job. It's, it's everything is, uh, is predicated on how he did. He, he stepped up and he did everything he needed to do. So uh, I'm very proud of him. I'm proud, our, our whole family in Dallas is proud of, of what Brian did. Uh, he did a good job. Well, I'm, I'm proud of him too. I'm sure all the fans are proud of him. The kid's done some remarkable stuff and the level he's going to now is just going to be, I mean, in the cloud stratosphere. Uh, and we're going to be excited to watch and cheer him on. Keith, thank you for coming on. Thanks for bearing with me through the glitches. And I appreciate your 
uh, candor the whole time. And I appreciate your candor today and best of luck to you and to Brian and to your son, Ty as well. Uh, hopefully the sky's the limit for you guys. And thank you for coming on. Hey, thanks again, Buzz, man. Appreciate you. And, uh, thank you for a third degree, uh, for the support of Brian and, uh, maybe in, in the future, uh, we'll be talking about Ty, uh, you know, either being with Dallas and stuff. So we'll see what the future holds for us. That will be exciting. All right. Thanks again. And, uh, Good luck, and, and we'll see you down the road. Hey, thanks, Buzz. Once again, thanks to Keith for coming on and talking us through the process, both of Brian's career and the the process, the the drama, the the uh, soap opera that was his transfer that eventually ended up being Roma. Uh, there's so much going on behind the scenes the whole time, and it was really generous of him to share a lot of the information with me. I, I learned a whole lot through the process. Uh, and we'll see what happens with Brian going forward. I'm super excited for his uh, time at Roma. I, I think he's going to do great there. Uh, great opportunity for him, great club, great jerseys. And even uh, his kid, Ty, we'll see what's next for him. He is playing up with the 19s quite frequently. He's also a wing back like Brian. Maybe not quite the athlete that Brian is, but still a remarkably good player. So kid also should have a bright future if he chooses that route. Uh, and it's been a fascinating process, and, and I'm sure they're relieved that it's over. Uh, it's been <laughs> a heck of a grind a lot of times and trying to keep up with everything and keep it all straight. Just a reminder real quick that you, if you like what we do, you can support us at patreon.com slash third degree. And again, third degree, the podcast is brought to you by soccer 90. The, and that includes the new powder blue FC Dallas kickoff tee. Third degree podcast listeners receive 25% off site wide, including the new tee with the promo code third degree at soccer 90.com three R D D E G R E E at soccer 90.com. Can't help but uh, be intrigued by that powder blue t-shirt. I've seen the images. It's a pretty damn cool shirt. I think you guys will like it. And I imagine that it means something if you stay with me on that. All right. Once again, thanks for listening. Thanks for Pappy Check for the music. Hope you guys enjoyed this week's podcast. Thanks again to Keith Reynolds for coming on and chatting with us. Uh, it was really enlightening and I hope you guys found it so too. Uh, and uh, once again, there'll be a podcast next week. We hope you'll join us for another edition of Third Degree, the podcast. Third degree, the third degree never get. Third degree, the third degree never get. Third degree, the third degree never get. Third degree, the third degree never get.